Good morning. If you'd like to follow along, I'll be reading Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 5. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman born under the law, and to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Every one of you very much appreciate it your guidance and leadership in helping us to worship our Heavenly Father this morning. Along the lines of what Gary said, you know, some people are just born to sing certain songs, and brethren, there are certain preachers that are born to preach certain sermons, and when it comes to a Christmas sermon or a birth of Christ, I'm not one of them. They're one of the hardest lessons you ever preach. It really is, because how in the world can us mere humans really get a sense of what God did on that day um i'm not sure we even touch the hem of the garment i know a lot of people don't because brethren there's people right now that chose to be home today and that's sad i'm not being judgmental i'm being realistic there's a whole lot of people that come in this time of the year and then at easter and they'll celebrate the birth and the and the resurrection of christ and then pretty much live the rest of the year the way they want to i we we don't even really touch the hem of the garment as to what this means when jesus was born as we have been this is the fourth part of a fifth part lesson five part lesson on this that we've been preaching and uh and very humble circumstances just another kid born in the vicinity kids being born every day no big deal right and yet Isaiah chapter 8, I'm sorry, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 tells us this about this child as Isaiah is prophesying at this time that's going to be born into the world. It says, but a child will be born to you, a son will be given to you, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. That's who was born to us that day. Brother, this is a time of the year we call Christmas, Christmas time. It's a season when people traditionally celebrate the birth of our Lord. And I've heard people say, well, we need to celebrate the birth of our Lord every day. And that's true, brother. And I, don't, I have no opposition to that. Somebody, well, you know, what's wrong with preaching a sermon like this in July? Nothing in the world wrong with that. There's never a bad time to preach it at all, of course. But this is a really good time. And unfortunately, due to commercialization and secularism, and other factors, Christ has been pretty much taken out of Christmas. The holiday is meant for him, to, to give honor to him, you know. And, and we get so busy doing all kind of other things. Not bad things, brethren, but other things that the devil can use to successfully deter our minds from where they really need to be this time of the year and actually all year. Many place a great importance on the time of Christ's birth. There's people who say, well, Brother Green, you know Jesus wasn't born in December, you know, and scholarship say otherwise. I understand that, brethren. And, and, but what's really important isn't when he was born. The Bible writers don't even mention that. If it was important to them, God would have had it mentioned. And so when he was born is not important, but the fact that he was born into this world. The event itself is what the Bible puts the emphasis on. Beloved, I believe that every birth is a miracle. I really believe that. And, and it's been said that in the birth of every baby that we're being told that God hasn't given up on mankind just yet. 
William Barclay said there are two very important times in a person's life. One is the day he is born, and then the second is the day he discovers why he was born. We know why Christ was born. And of all the babies that's ever been born in this earth, which are expressions of God's continuous longing to bless mankind, there was one that was above all, as Color just read to us, when the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, and he did that in order to redeem us, to save us from our sins. Beloved, that's what that simple little birth in that manger long ago is all about. I want to read, you know, uh, brethren, as I said, this is a hard sermon. How, because us humans, I don't care how much you've studied this or how good you may be and at, at speaking, you know, and you may be able to articulate every little word in a marvelous way and you don't say ain't like I do and all that stuff, but it's, can human, can the human tongue even describe adequately what took place and what it means to us? Because, beloved, quite frankly, it means everything. I mean everything. It means the difference between heaven and hell for an eternity, doesn't it? It really means that. I want to look at two sections about the birth of Christ. We've gone over these in our lessons so far, and, and we're going to have one more lesson after this one on these series. But look at Matthew 1, verses 18 through 25 first. And, then, and we're just going to read these. Uh, they speak for themselves. We're going to um, allow the Scripture to speak. And I'm going to say just a few brief things, and the lesson will be yours. In Matthew 1, uh, beginning of verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When <clears throat> his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Now, verse 21, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Then Luke chapter 2, and we're going to tie some of this together. Luke chapter 2, Luke's account, verses 1 through 7. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Now, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city, because, brethren, quite frankly, that was the law, and they didn't make exception for people that was nine months pregnant. So Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David. Verse 5, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and who was with child. 
While on the way there, the days were uh, completed for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Beloved, we read about this, and then again, it, like I said, it, very few announcements was given, and some shepherds out in the field, some wise men heard about it. Just another day in the neighborhood, so to speak. Just another birth, a very humble birth under very humble circumstances, as a matter of fact, you know. And yet, this is the central event of all of history. The Old Testament sets the stage for it. The New Testament describes it. And no one person or event has ever affected the world like Jesus Christ, either before or after his birth. That is absolutely the way it is, brothers and sisters. He's the most important fact of history and the most vital force in the world today. It's not governments, it's not politics, it's not armies, it's not universities, it's not any of these things that we spend all of our time and effort on. It is Jesus Christ and his being born into the world for our sake. And what's sad is that many Christians today forget about it. Now, I don't want us to be sad today because you're here and you say, Preacher, you're preaching the wrong crowd. I understand that, brethren. I, I know that. You're here. And I appreciate that. And I appreciate you. And, and I want you to know that I do that and that, that we're here to worship our Heavenly Father. But, brothers and sisters, you know, someone has said one time, many babies have grown up to become kings, but only one king became a baby. And that's what he said as, as we read from Isaiah. He's, he's, the, he's, the, he's the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the Mighty God, the Wonderful Counselor. All these things, beloved, that he is. Someone has said a life so brief, so confined in its geographical area, so little noticed by the world in his own time has become the most potent force for good in all of human history. That's who we celebrate this morning. Christ had both a humble and yet a miraculous birth. The pretty nativity scenes that we see just really don't give an uh, accurate picture of where Jesus was born. And I'm not against those, brethren, but, but they're cleaned up, same as the pretty little crosses we wear. That wasn't what a, a, a Roman cross looked like that Jesus was hung on. And the stable that he was born in, literally a stable where they kept animals who had been traveling, and they would feed them. And I'm not trying to be gross, brethren, but if have y'all any of y'all beside me ever uh, shoveled out a stable? Okay? You get an idea? We don't shovel out roses. <laughs> All right? It's filthy. It's dirty. The, the animals that are there, and a variety of them, you know, are, they've been traveling, and they're hot, and they're sweaty, and they're, and, and they're doing their business, and, and, and it's not a good place to give birth to a child. And the reason that Jesus was born in a stable is that the hotels were full and nobody would offer a bed to a woman that was in labor. And so she had to have the baby under those circumstances. But we know God is with her. But brethren, for the New Testament writers, the point of the story doesn't lie in the circumstances or the date of the birth, but rather in the identity of the baby, who he was and is. See, there were a lot of miracles that took place during the before and after and during the birth of Christ. 
all kinds, but, but the greatest miracle of all of them was that God, who's the creator of this universe, would agree to take upon himself the likeness of human flesh, knowing that he was going to be crucified and murdered by his own creation. That's the miracle of it all. So why? Why do it, brethren? Why be born on this earth? Why would you do something like that? Any one of us in our human state would think, all right, if somebody come to me and said, Marvin, I want you to move to this city, but the whole time you're in that city and you're going to be there for 10 years, and the whole 10 years you're going to be there, you're going to live in horrible poverty, you're going to be in danger of your life every day, you're going to have to sacrifice, you're going to be tortured, you're going to be abused, you're going to be punished, you're going to be treated like everlasting dirt. And somebody said, now you go to that city, and I'd say, oh, I don't think so, Lord. No, I just do not. If i got to go through all that. Brethren, Jesus Christ, before the foundation of the world, the Bible tells us, knew what he was going to have to do, and he still voluntarily did that. That's the miracle, isn't it? That's the miracle of it all. Why in the world be born on this earth? Did he have to do it? No. He did not. He chose to do it. We sing that song sometimes, Why did my Savior come to earth and to the humble go? Why did he suffer such a lowly birth? Because he loved me so. There are basically two reasons Jesus came to earth. And the, first one is, and the first and foremost, and the one that's very obvious, because the Bible says to, so is to redeem mankind, to offer us the only means of salvation. Luke 19.10 says, The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 reminds us that, um, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that, through the, that though he was rich, Yet for your sake, he became poor so that you through his poverty may become rich. Brethren, Jesus is rich. He lived in heaven. He came to this earth. He, he, he become flesh in order to save us. He was rich. He become poor in that sense in order to offer us to redemption so we could be rich in Jesus Christ. Look at Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. The Bible reminds us of what Jesus gave up. Have this attitude in yourself, which also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, John 1 tells us Jesus is God. And, and that, that, that the, the word God become flesh. That's the incarnation. He existed in the form of God. He did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. This is all voluntary too, brethren. He emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant. Of all the things that Jesus could have come as in this world, of any kind of man, he comes as a slave. See, the Jews missed him because they were looking for a triumphant king with an army. And he comes as a little baby. And he comes as a slave. And he become obedient to the point of death, uh, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. Now listen to this, brethren, because we need to understand this. So at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. He didn't say should. Of those who are in heaven and earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus is the Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Brethren, Christ Jesus was born to die. For only by offering his life on Calvary could he save people from their sins. That is what he did. J.I. Packard said this the birth of Christ teaches us that there is hope for a ruined humanity, hope of pardon. Hope of peace with God. Because at the Father's will, 
Jesus became poor and was born in a stable so that 30 years later he might hang on a cross. It is the most wonderful message that the world has ever heard and ever will hear. Jesus came to the earth to die, brethren. He was born to die, to go from a cradle to a cross for me and you. That's why he did it. What was the secondary reason? He came, the Bible says, to show us himself, to show us God and to give us the perfect example that we need to follow while we're on this earth. We get, or can, we, can we live the way Jesus did while he's on there? No, we're sinful humans, but he gave us the example that we need to be following. Christ is God in the flesh. He's the incarnation. And in order for us to know what God is like, in order to show us himself, God became flesh. So that the, one of the reasons the Bible says in Hebrews chapter uh, 2 and 4 is so that he can now sympathize with our weaknesses because he's gone through everything we can possibly go through on this earth, yet without sin, of course. And so he knows, brethren. And so the entire message of what we call Christmas is not only his birth. That's the beginning of, of his, his earthly existence. It's also the, the fact that he went to the cross and died on our behalf. From the cross to the, from the manger to the cross was all for us. Jesus was born and died so we could live. So we could live with him for an eternity. So we could be forgiven of our sins. So Christ came to this earth. He came under very humble circumstances. He gave us the perfect example to follow while he was here, and then he suffered a horrendous death on a cross. You know what, you know what he did, brethren? He refused to call down those 10,000 angels who were eagerly waiting to come rescue their master. He refused to do that, and he died so we could be saved, so we could live. Beloved, I, I just have to say at this point, somebody who's done so much for us ought to have our full attention and our total commitment and our entire lives. It's a shame, and it's ungrateful to live as if he means little or nothing to us. And many in the world are living that way right now. Our eternal destiny depends upon whether or not we accept or reject Christ. And he's given us all that right. He's given us all free moral choice. You choose. And the most important decision that any of us could ever make is what to do concerning Jesus. Because, beloved, truly, on that depends everything. I mean everything. To be a Christian is the greatest privilege of all of mankind. The Christian life is the most reasonable and the best way to live, but it's going to do little good unless you act on it. But do you no know good at all? It has to affect your life 12 months a year, not just during December, not then. Philippians 2, verses 9 through 11, for this, let me tell you, brethren, and please listen to this verse again. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so at the name of Jesus every knee will bow. You may refuse to bow now, but there's coming a day you will. Who's going to bow? Those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. That means those who are currently dead. 
and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. The atheist is going to bow his knee and confess Jesus Christ as Lord one day. But you know what? It's going to be too late then, isn't it? It's going to be far too late. The time to do that is now while you're on this earth and you have an opportunity. And if you're not right with God this morning, God's given you this opportunity. Because, friend, Jesus was born and lived and suffered and died for you specifically. The question this morning, of course, is what will you do about that now? Are you right with God? I hope and pray most everybody in this congregation is. But if, there, if there's someone here that's not, we don't want you to leave this building without getting right with God. Your eternal destiny literally depends upon the baby that was born in that manger to grow up to be a man, to die on a cross. If you need to respond to the Lord's invitation, come now while we stand and sing.